This morning, I'd like to draw a short exhortation from Exodus 20, the commandments of God. Let's turn there this morning, Exodus 20, verses 1 through 6. Exodus 20, verses 1 through 6. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. This is the first table of the law. Just read a portion of it. But Americans are generally aware, I think, of the sixth and seventh, eighth commandment, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. But, uh, but not so much of the second, third, and fourth commandment. And I, I believe that the second, third, and fourth commandments, these first four commandments, are essential. They're basic. It's the reason that Americans break the last six is because they're breaking the first four. So uh, without drawing attention to the first four, uh, we're never going to make any progress on the other six. Moreover, one of the reasons for the generational apostasy today is because of the breaking of the second commandment. So there's so much generational apostasy going on in our churches. Um, heard a lot of it this weekend as well in other sort of churches like ours. But, uh, but the reason for the generational apostasy is, is the breaking of the second commandment. Um, the sins of those who break the second commandment are visited upon the third and fourth generation of those that hate God. So... So it is important uh, that, that we pay attention to these commandments. Why, why, why the Ten Commandments? Why did God include the Ten Commandments? Number one, it's the will of God. Number two, we tend to break the commandments. These are the Ten Commandments we tend most likely to break. So God gives us these commandments because these are the sorts of things that uh, we, we are likely uh, to violate uh, in our rebellion against God in our natural condition. So uh, roughly 10% of the commandments address the issue of not taking God's name in vain. 10% are about remembering to rest and dedicate the rest to God. And 10% are about uh, these visual rep- representations. Um, and, and breaking a single commandment usually snowballs into breaking the other commandments. And so, so we see that these are so very, very important. Uh, they're, they're important in the ministry of the word as well, and I think I came under some sense of uh, conviction that we as a church have not really dealt with these commandments nearly enough. So I do think that we need to be a church that keeps the commandments of God. In fact, those that survive the apostasy in the end times are those that keep the faith of Jesus and keep the commandments of God. So those are two things that make for real churches at the end. Whether or not this is the end, in a worst case scenario, this would be uh, the essentials of the faith, that we keep the faith of Jesus, we keep the commandments of God. What does it mean to keep the commandments of God? It means to pay attention to them, it means to take notice of them, uh, to study them, and to think about them, think about actually obeying them. So, 
So that's pretty basic to being a Christian. So if we're a Christian, we're going to love God and keep his commandments to the point that we would actually um, pay attention to them. We would actually take notice of the commandments of God. We, we would maybe spend a few minutes every, every day, perhaps. Um, something you might consider is every day, take a look at the commandments of God. That's all part of keeping the commandments or guarding or keeping an eye out or noticing the commandments of God. So I exhort you, brothers and sisters, to come back to the commandments of God. I don't think our church, I don't think we have, uh, have kept the commandments of God very well as a church. So just encourage you back to the commandments of God. Just anybody agree with that? It's a good idea. Pretty good, yeah. Okay, well, let's, let's do that as a church. Let's commit to that. Uh, but let's also pay attention to the second commandment. I, I, I do think these commandments apply to Americans very much. America is not a restful nation. We are probably the most unrestful stressed out society in the world, at least according to my uh, travels. You know, I come back to America, and Americans are extremely not restful. So in a broad sense, the fourth commandment, I think, is useful. Um, we, we, we tend to break the fourth commandment, probably more so than other nations. Uh, as far as the third commandment goes, uh, Americans are very bad at keeping the third commandment. We take God's name in vain uh, quite a bit. I, I would say America is probably one of the most irreverent societies in the world, if not the most irreverent society in the whole world. At least in my travels. You get to other countries, you'll come back to America and discover that America is extremely irreverent, extremely disrespectful in language, and I would say in general about a hundred times worse in terms of their, their use of bad language. Word for word, if you can compare the Japanese, say, to the Americans, America is about a hundred times worse at breaking the third commandment uh, than other nations around the world. So I would say these commandments actually are useful and probably a good idea to bring them back in Christian churches in America. Also, America, just in a broad sense, is addicted to what we would call the visual medium or visible gods, especially with the moving pictures. Moving pictures were added about a Oh, maybe 60, 70 years ago. But uh, man is constantly attempting to displace the invisible with the visible. And as I was on an airline trip this weekend to San Antonio, I noticed a fair number of people very dedicated to what I would refer to as these small screens. They're visual things on these screens. I don't know if you've seen them. Small screens about this size or sometimes a little bit larger. But Americans very dedicated. I mean, they've committed their lives to the idols of the screens. Uh, they may be the gods of the superheroes. I noticed a few of them were worshiping superheroes. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen their, these pictures of superheroes. They're actually moving pictures today. Uh, they're most popular moving pictures of the day by a long shot. They, they typically do two, three billion dollars in the box office. But if you've seen any of these superheroes, Americans are very much dedicated to the gods of the superheroes, the gods of music, uh, pop idols, very impressive to them, even more impressive than the God of the Bible. So, so we certainly see the visual medium being important in the life of the modern American, which means it seems to me that these commandments are relevant. Does that make sense? That perhaps these commandments are relevant, perhaps we should bring them back to uh, the Christian faith in the 21st century. Let's, let's bring back the commandments of God uh, in the 21st century. Um, but what I want to focus us on is the second commandment. And it really, it really stirred me up a bit to see Vody Bauckham. Most recently, it was a very strange thing. All the Christian news sources just exploded when Vody Bauckham said he doesn't watch The Chosen uh, because it's a second commandment violation. 
And so I thought, well, wow, let's, let's take a look at that just for a moment this morning. The chosen has turned out to be the, the greatest phenomenon in 21st century uh, Christianity. The episodes uh, have been viewed 500 million times. Uh, so that's, that's, that's quite a bit. That's more than what Sermon Audio has received over the last 30 years. Uh, the Jesus film also produced by Campus Crusade back in 1979 has warranted uh, 6.2 billion views. And the JesusFilm.com website links to 600 million converts, which means what they're saying is two-thirds of the Protestant converts in the world have come to Jesus by way of the Jesus film. Um, so now I think that's surprising to us because up until the 1970s, people were converted to Christianity by way of the preaching of the Word of God, not by the visual medium. Uh, but that all changed in 1979 thanks to the Jesus film. Or did it? Or did it? That's my question this morning. That's my question for all of Western Christianity. I think it's also interesting that a Mormon-produced program is attempting to salvage Christianity in the 21st century. That certainly uh, demonstrates the impoverishment of the faith in the 21st century. Very, very sad. Extremely sad. Um, but uh, back in the 1980s, I, I will say, and this is the thing that confuses us, I think, to some extent. A Reformed apologist and one of my seminary professors taught that pictures of Jesus are only representations of his humanity, but not his deity, and therefore they are legitimate. Okay, so that's, that's been, I think, pretty much the standard position of much of the Reformed seminaries today. Uh, so now, I want to, I, I realize that this isn't exactly preaching, this is I'm doing my best to teach uh, this morning uh, from what I believe that the Word of God is giving us in this second commandment. So let me just take a moment to take a peek at this question. Um, when we say that the pictures of Jesus are, are representations of his humanity and not his deity, uh, I think we can conclude that that is not a fair depiction of his person. Now why is that? Because what is his person? What is the person of Jesus Christ? Our children should know the answer to this. Children, what is Jesus? What is the person of Jesus? He's made of two natures. Uh, children, do you know that Jesus is made of two natures? Jesus is man and Jesus is... I heard it from Josh, but he's a pastor. <laughs> Jesus is man and... God. All right, Jesus is God. Okay, very, very important. This is fundamental to the Christian faith. So now, the picture does not depict his deity, but only his humanity, separate from his deity. Now, my question this morning, is that fair? Is that fair? If Jesus is both man and God, and the picture is depicting only his manhood, my question this morning is, is that fair? His person should be two natures, distinct but not separate, not to be separated the problem with the picture is it separates. And now we do not see the real Jesus. The real Jesus in real life was both divine and human, both when he was here on the earth and where he is today as well. He is both divine and, and human. Now, there's an insightful comment that came from the producer-writer of The Chosen. I think this is very, very helpful. Let me give you the quote. This is word for word. Now, listen to what this man says. Very interesting. If any of you have seen The Chosen or know people... Friends, perhaps relatives outside of this church who watch The Frozen. I'm sorry, The Chosen. Either way, Frozen or Chosen, either way. I think it applies. But here's the quote. 
with all respect to the Athanasian theologians, Athanasius was the one who really worked hard on developing the Athanasian Creed, which is the two natures and single person of Christ. With all due respect to the Athanasian theologians who centuries ago agreed upon the hypostatic union, union, that's a key word, union, they were not thinking ahead to the problems that would pose to TV writers. Well, just too bad. It's funny. Yeah, it seems a little funny. A couple of you laughed. Uh, but, you know, for some reason, Athanasius wasn't thinking about the visual medium. These poor producers and writers that had to do all this work in the last 30, 40 years to salvage the Christian faith, the Mormons and all the rest. Um, the dance between Jesus' full humanity and full divinity is one of the greatest challenges we face. The way we build balance is by agreeing on the fact that divinity is somewhat invisible, mysterious, while flesh and humanity are plain, visible, relatable. So, here's what we do. We lean hard on showing the visual aspects of his humanity. He's funny. He's funny. He's relatable. He's weepy, sarcastic, exhausted, joyful, teasing. So in these films, Jesus comes across as merely human, and that's why people like the series. He's funny. God help you. God help you if you watch The Chosen. God help you. God salvage you from the apostasy of the modern age. The apostasy of Mormonism. God help you if you watch The Chosen. And you love it because Jesus is funny. And his humanity is so well displayed in that series. God help you. You see, there's a catch-22 in this, and here it is. It's practically impossible to get around this. Listen, you cannot picture the divinity of the Son of God and a picture of Jesus' humanity cannot, can easily separate his humanity from his divinity. That's number one. That's what I already said. You can't picture the divinity without losing his, uh, in, in a picture. And you can't picture his humanity without losing his divinity. Then secondly, if you attempt to picture his divinity in the actor, you're back to the same problem of picturing divinity, which is not to be pictured according to the second commandment. So see, you have, you have, you have this catch-22 that works in the presentation of the chosen. On the one hand, you can't picture the divinity. And a picture of the humanity separates the humanity from his divinity. On the other hand, now listen carefully, if you attempt to picture his divinity in the actor, you're back to the same problem, picturing divinity, which is what? A violation of 10% of the commandments of God. See, that's, that's the tough part about this. Now, here's the other problem. Do you really want somebody worshiping an actor? If you're picturing the divinity or attempting to do so, do you want somebody worshiping the actor, and, and this is precisely the problem that they ran into in The Chosen. One particular scene of The Chosen, Nicodemus bows to the actor playing Jesus. And the actor said, you don't have to do that. What? You don't have to do that? Sounds like a Mormon, but doesn't sound like a Christian take. What? You don't have to bow and worship before Jesus? Well, that's what the actor said. You don't have to do that. Well, that's not what Thomas did. Thomas worshipped. My Lord, my God. That's what the women did after the resurrection. Truly, you are the Son of God, they said. They worshipped him. They clasped his feet. They worshipped him. So, brothers and sisters, these are extremely weighty matters. Super basic issues. And these are reasons why we, as the Christian church, are descending into a post-Christian era. So, what is, what is, the, 
What is the fundamental principle here that we need to address as we come into worship? And I'll just leave you with this. There's a positive principle in relation to this. And that is God is spirit and must be worshipped in spirit and truth. Not by visible means. We cannot use pictures and videos to do it. Why? God is a spirit. And they who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Now that means that you're going to have to come into a service without pictures. You're going to have to come into a a service without video. And I know that's boring. And I realize that's why most of our churches are emptying out. I get it. They prefer to violate the second commandment. Videos and pictures are more interesting. I get it. But you can't present God in video or picture. It's a violation of the second commandment. So we, we must respond to the preaching of the Word of God, the reading of the Word of God. So that's, that's boring. It's boring to be preached at. It's boring not to have a, a video in a world of nonstop video. But if preaching in the red words not enough, then there are plenty of idolatrous religions in the world to be part of where people, can, people express their inborn inclinations to worship by means of pictures. There are many, many religions where people do that. Just not the Christian faith. It's the Christian faith where we put aside these, these videos. And here's the, here's, here's the reason. Man is trying to contain God. You see, once you put God into a, a visible picture, you've limited Him. You've, you've, you've made finite the infinite. You try to contain Him. You, you're limiting God. You're, you're making God smaller and man bigger by the picture or by the video. So as an infinite spirit, God is here. God is all here as He is all over there. He is everywhere. He's over all. You can't picture that. You can't picture the infinite spirit. You can't. I realize that the presentation of this blows our minds this morning and causes us to fall down on our faces and worship God who cannot be contained in pictures. I get that. Yes. But, but that's because God is God. And we are man. We are the creature. We are physical. We are material. We have the physical nature. God is infinite, eternal, unchangeable in His being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And these things are too wonderful for us. So our only response, brothers and sisters, is a holy awe and worship to increase in awe and reverence. Just increase in awe and reverence. The pictures won't do that for you. They won't. The videos won't do that for you. You say, how in the world will I ever increase in in awe and reverence for God. It will only be by the preaching. It will only be by bringing the Word. It's only going to be by the Spirit of God opening your mind, enabling your eyes to see the, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's going to be a miracle if it happens. By the Word, by the Spirit. So don't watch the chosen. Come into the worship. Worship God. Hear the preaching. Hear the Word. And perhaps the Holy Spirit will enable your mind to, to increase and to see more of the incomprehensibility of God and the, the wonder of God and the glory of God and the, 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 the value of God and His, His, His worshipfulness. His worshipfulness. And then here's one more thing. Let me leave you with this because this is, I think, even more important. Jesus is God with us. 
Jesus is God with us. No, no, we can't do the visual medium to present the mere humanity of Jesus. No, 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 a thousand no's. We need the deity of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus in his humanity is God with us. Not to be separated. Not to be mixed, yes, but not to be separated. Jesus is God with us. Not just some nice guy with us. That's what you get from the chosen. Jesus isn't just some nice guy with us. Jesus is God with us. God desiring to be with us, with us. Therefore, we cannot picture him. We can only preach him. And they didn't need the visual medium for 1979 years until the Jesus film. Didn't need it. They needed the preaching of the word of God and the spirit of God opening the eyes of God's people to enable them to see Jesus, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. Yes, human, yet divine, together, God with us. Not some nice guy with us. God with us. That's Jesus. And that's the Jesus we worship. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's pray the prayer of confession together. Brothers and sisters, we'll kneel down, humble yourself, bow your head. Let's come down before our God. Let's worship. Let's acknowledge our sin, our sinfulness before Him. And we'll receive His forgiveness. Bow down before Him, brothers and sisters. And let's pray this prayer of confession together. Together now. Oh, Lord, all your precepts are trustworthy. Yet we admit that we have been selective and partial in our obedience and faith. We have tolerated personal, sinful pride and disbelief. We have been carnal at times, walking like mere men. We have been worldly at times, fascinated by the things of this age. For many reasons, our hearts have defected from your grace and truth. Grant, O Lord, that as you have assured us of your love and mercy in Christ, that we might draw near to you. Now we earnestly forsake all our rebellious ways. Cause us to live for your glory according to your word, as motivated by your love, all in the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray through Jesus. Amen.